We heard part of the reading already, but we'll uh, go ahead and read the entire section out of Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. As we begin this first Sunday of Advent. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. Hear these words now. This is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will, meditate, will mediate rather, between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we're grateful for the words of Isaiah. We are grateful for the words that he wrote under your inspiration to not only proclaim the coming of the Messiah, but also that we can learn today of what he brought and indeed will bring again. So minister to us now, Lord, and help us more and more to be people of peace. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I love to travel. I even, when I was a kid, um, a young kid even, I, I loved traveling. I loved even the getting there part. But when I was really young, four or five or so, well, I didn't enjoy the getting there as much. And more than once, and surely none of you have ever done this, more than once I asked my parents, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Maybe those of you who have children, you've, you've heard this many times yourself. And be honest, is it a little bit annoying after the first ten times or so? You know, my parents probably didn't like me very much by the end of the trip when I was on the are we there yet train. And honestly, I can't blame them. But, you know, I learned ways to occupy my time and I learned ways to, to make the waiting a little better. One of my favorite games to play even to this day is to find how many different states I can find on license plates. Saw one just yesterday from Alaska. But, you know, once the destination is reached, the end of the trip is, 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 is well, the trip is done. More often than not, I found that the trip was worth it. The destination made the getting there and made the, the drive 
all the more worth it. And granted, not every trip was fun, but more often than not, the memories that were made on family trips made all the long rides and traffic jams, well, it made it all worth it. Hopefully you have some of those memories as well. <clears throat> but in some way or another, we can, we can all relate to that. We can all, maybe we, again, we've been the kid who said, are we there yet? Or maybe we've wanted to say, are we there yet? Because we don't like to wait. Even though it takes, I don't know what, maybe at the most an hour and a half to get to Jackson on the interstate, we would still rather the trip take a lot less time than an hour and a half. Which today is not anything compared to what it used to be back when it was just a two-lane road between here and Jackson, I'm sure. You're looking at at least a couple of hours. But we still want the, the trip to be shortened. We would rather, instead of an hour and a half, the trip be more like, I don't know, 45 minutes. And we want to reach the destination quickly. We want to encounter as few traffic jams and as few roadblocks on the way as possible. Have you ever thought about the decisions that we have to make in order to make any kind of a trip, though? Have you really, you know, I know we kind of take these things for granted because we can just on a Saturday morning decide we want to take a trip over to Jackson or over to Birmingham or Hattiesburg or wherever. And, you know, we can just say, you know, I'd really like to go shopping at Target. Since we don't have a Target here, we would have to go to a place like that. And we'd have to make the conscious decision to get in the car. But before we can even get in the car, we have to make the conscious decision to get a shower, get dressed, have to find the best route, have to decide once and for all the destination, have to be very intentional about coming up with the best route because if you go the wrong way, it's going to take too long or maybe even get you completely lost and you end up somewhere else. We have to make all these decisions very intentionally. We can't just get in the car and drive randomly and hope that we end up somewhere. We have, to, we have to have all of this stuff figured out. And while we want the trip to go quickly, it often does not. How many times have you been on I-20 and gotten around Forest or somewhere like that and you realize that traffic is backed up for five miles because of a jackknifed 18-wheeler? Seems to happen weekly. But while on that journey, however long it takes, even if we're the one driving, we still have to wait. We have to wait to arrive at the destination. You know, Advent is exactly about waiting. Advent is a time of a journey, a journey to the manger. Now, you might have noticed if you've come up to the chancel rail today and when you come up to take communion, <coughs> excuse me, Maybe take just a second to notice that the baby Jesus figurine is not in the manger set. And you might go, where is he? Where's the baby Jesus figurine? Well, to let you know, Advent is not Christmas. Therefore, the baby Jesus, in a liturgical sense anyway, has not been born yet. And if you're wondering where the figurine is, it's back there on the table. 
And each week as we go through this journey of Advent, the journey to the manger, the figurine is going to get a little bit closer to the manger scene. Next week it's going to be in the, in the first window there. And then to the second window and, and so on. But Advent calls us to wait. In spite of a world that has been filled with Merry Christmas since about, I don't know, the end of September, first part of October. I think it was Harry Mayer was the first store in Meridian that I noticed that had a Christmas display up sometime in September. But in spite of the commercials, in spite of what the stores and even the radio stations that are playing Christmas music right now, Christmas has not started yet, again, which is why the, the baby Jesus figurine is not here. And because Advent is a time in which we wait, in which we take time to remember the journey to the manger, and in which we ponder the promises that God gave about the Christ child, Advent is really one of the most countercultural things that the church does every year. There's a lot of talk about the church shaping the culture rather than the culture shaping the church. Well, a lot of times these days we see it the other way around. Advent is actually one of the ways we can fight against that. Advent is a time in which we say, slow down a little bit. Let's wait and enjoy the journey. So for this first Advent of Sunday, it is indeed the beginning of a journey. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the promises and the great things that the boy child of Mary brought to the world on that first Christmas night. Peace, love, joy, and hope. And this week, we're going to begin by looking at something we probably don't think we get a lot of this time of year. Peace. Peace is something that is both longed for and coming. Something we can look forward to, but also live into now. We hate to wait, but that's exactly what Isaiah, the prophet of God, the son of Amaz, he is telling the people to whom he is writing exactly that, to wait. And if you really look at the, at the language that's employed by Isaiah here, you see that it's all in the future tense. Because remember, this was all written B.C., before Christ. All of this was written before the Messiah was born, in other words. So for them, Jesus had not come. Jesus was still coming. And I can imagine that as great as the promise of peace was, the people that were hearing or reading these words of Isaiah, they probably wanted to hear something else. Again, they didn't want to hear something other than peace. But maybe they hoped for something written instead of them in the future tense, written in the present tense. And they were finding themselves going, all right, peace is one of the destinations are we there yet? How long is it going to be before all of this comes true? And Isaiah is giving the people some directions for the journey. Isaiah is telling the people to keep their eyes on the horizon, to keep their eyes on the road ahead. He's telling them that the boy is not here yet. The Messiah, the Prince of Peace, is not here yet. 
but he's coming. So keep your eye on the road. The boy is going to bring these good and wonderful things, including peace. But he hasn't come yet. Keep your eyes on the road as we go on this journey. You know, if, you've looked, if you know much about the Old Testament and the history of the ancient Jews in general, you know that, well, peace was hard to come by for them. Which is part of the reason why I can imagine their frustration when they're hearing or reading these words of Isaiah and Isaiah is saying all this in the future tense and they're going, okay, why do we have to wait longer? Because they didn't know much peace and they wanted it desperately. And again, we look through the Old Testament and we look even through the secular historical record and we see that this time was, was so full of violence. How many different wars are spoken of even just in the Old Testament books that we have in the Bible? I'll tell you the truth, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. A lot, I can tell you that. Times of persecution under harsh kings and harsh rulers and invaders from other lands who are trying to impose their pagan religion on the ancient Jews. Separations. All of the different tribes of Israel separated scattered and, and so much other stuff going on and on murders adultery all these kind of crimes that could be described as nothing short of humanitarian crises we see that throughout the old testament so this promise of peace that is coming maybe in the moment in the first few seconds that they heard or read these words, it didn't provide much comfort because they're thinking, oh great, now we got to wait some more. But you know what? These words were also inspiring to the ancient Jews. These words let them know once and for all that the Messiah was indeed coming if we just hold on a little longer. Now granted, most if not all the people that read or heard these words were long dead after Jesus was or before Jesus was born. But they were able to tell their children, their grandchildren, and on and on about these promises given through the prophet Isaiah. They were inspired to hang on, to persevere, to cling to the hope that God was bringing them someone to save them, their nation, and their souls, who would indeed bring that long sought after peace. But still, in the moment, this promise of peace must have sounded crazy. Because not only did they have any idea that peace was even possible, it was also the fact that they were still going to have to wait a little bit. But you know, that can kind of be said about us today, too. This, this promise of peace seeming like a far-fetched thing. This promise of peace seem, seeming almost crazy. When we think about everything we have going on, not only in the world, but when we think about the things that we have even just going on in our individual lives, in our family lives, and in the lives of our loved ones, even acquaintances, we think, oh, peace. Yeah, we could use some of that. But how? That's the thing, though is we cling to these promises as well. You know, this is what's called a paradox. 
The Prince of Peace has come. The Prince of Peace is present through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to this day. And the Prince of Peace is yet to come. Yet to come in final victory. So we might go, how in the world can we have peace and how can we live this out today when we can't seem to go a day without hearing about some kind of act of violence? Even just this morning, I got an alert on my phone about another mass shooting in California. Eleven people were shot last night. I didn't have time to read about all the details. I just saw the alert on my phone. We can't seem to go a day without someone picking a fight on social media. Just this morning, I had to break up a fight on my Facebook page about football. Did anybody have any interesting debates around the Thanksgiving table? How often does that happen? Probably more often than we care to think. Thankfully, this year, we really didn't get into that, and I'm thankful, but years past, I haven't been able to say that. But the thing about it is this, is that we can live into peace. It's not just something we hope for, and yes, we should hope for it. But we also live into that promise today. Because we are Christ's people. We know the rest of the story. Isaiah didn't know the rest of the story at that time, in that moment. But we as Christ, as disciples of Christ, we know the rest of the story. We already know not only what has happened and what is happening now, but also what is still to come. Because yes, we can live into those promises of peace now. We can, and, and people sometimes say, well, we're just going to have all this stuff going on until Jesus returns. Well, that is true. But does that mean we just have to resign ourselves to the fact that we're going to have trouble in the world until Jesus returns and we just not do anything in response to it? There's always things we can do to be instruments of peace, even if it's just around our dinner tables at Thanksgiving and Christmas and at other times. There's a lot of things we can do to bring strife to a minimum. And if we all think about it for just a second, we can all come up with at least two or three ways. Are we living in the light of the Lord, as verse 5 says? Or are we just living like we don't know what's already come and what is still coming. Because Jesus' way is a much better way. Jesus brings that peace if we allow him. And again, those words of Isaiah have both come true and are yet to come. The time of Advent is itself a paradox. Remember I've said that, that, that Advent is a lot of things. Well, one of the things is it's a paradox. We remember and commemorate the coming of Christ, the baby, and we also remember and ponder the next coming of Christ, which is in final victory. The great judgment, the return of Christ, the second coming, whatever you want to call it. We remember that Christ has come and Christ is yet to come again. And so it's our duty as Christian disciples, as Jesus' people, to live like we know the end of the story. It is up to us to live as people of peace who serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Great Counselor. As we have been 
told and, and, and instructed through Scripture, people will know that we belong to Jesus Christ by our love, by the fruit that we bear. And I'll even dare say, by the peace that we cultivate. But those are choices that we have to make. Just like when we make a decision to drive to Jackson or to Birmingham or wherever, we have to be very intentional about where we're going. We don't just get in the car and drive to a random place and hope that we end up somewhere good. Although that is fun sometimes, but in general, if we're going to make a journey, it has to be a conscious decision. It has to be intentional. We have to do it with purpose, in other words. Likewise, we have to live as Christians with purpose and by intention. <clears throat> and we have to remember that people will indeed know us by our fruits. So my prayer is, is that this holiday season, we will choose to be people who bear the fruit of love and the fruit of peace. And I know this time of year is stressful. When I was looking at my to-do list and the calendar for last week, the first thought of my, that came to my mind is, how in the world am I going to stuff this 10 pounds of fertilizer into a 5-pound bag? And as I'm looking over all the stuff I've got to do it around Christmas and leading up to it, I find myself going, well, how am I going to stuff this 20 pounds of fertilizer in a 5-pound bag? So it can get stressful with all the shopping and the cooking and the going of places and the family that we have visiting and, and on and on. And yes, even admittedly, we all have them, family that we don't really like. That adds to the stress. But we love them and we welcome them to the table. And we go, well, how in the world can I live any of this out knowing what I'm facing this time of year? Well, it's hard, but yet it's simple. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to get us through. We allow the Holy Spirit to give us strength and courage for us to be instruments of peace rather than to be instruments of yet more holiday stress. We allow the Holy Spirit to chip away those rough edges from us and give us the strength and the ability to indeed beat our swords into plowshares so that we're not beating people over the head with them. We allow the Holy Spirit through the through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we allow ourselves to beat our spears, indeed, into pruning hooks. And we indeed cultivate peace. We plant those crops by, our own, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we cultivate those crops, not only for our loved ones, but even for strangers. And in the midst of stress, we remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. Indeed, he is the reason for the season, as we like to say. And we meditate on the peace that the Christ child brought and will bring again. We live like people who know the rest of the story. There's all kinds of ways we can wait. We can wait impatiently. We can stress ourselves and others out as we wait for the Christmas time to come. Or we can know that true transformation only comes through God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ. 
And we can choose to journey intentionally toward the world that the Advent promise holds for us by walking in the paths of peace, even here and now. My friends, I offer this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.